before, that means that your cycles can be irregular. Um, you can have your cycles be 28 days this month, and then it's 32 next month. You may bleed for four days today, um, this month, and then next month is for seven, or you might skip, you know, three or four cycles in between. And so that's the immaturity of the organs and the hormones that are being released. And sometimes it can take like five to 10 whole years before they can actually wow. normalize. Completely. You're listening to the Well Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Lee, women's menstrual cycle educator, natural fertility coach, and daytime mermaid. This is a place where we discuss all things periods, poo, ovulation, fertility, and sex. Join me weekly as we rediscover our menstrual cycles, unlock its superpowers, and guide you back into your cyclical nature. This is episode 184 of the Well Woman podcast. Today on the show, we are joined by Dr. Kerry Perkins, also known as Dr. P. She's joining us to teach us all about the endocrine system. We are chatting about glands, hormones, healthy cycles, and how a healthy endocrine system actually functions. Now, Dr. P is a certified and dynamic obstetrician and gynecologist practicing in the state of New Jersey, United States. She has an extensive expertise in global maternal health needs, problems of the female reproductive tract, contraceptive care, and minimal invasive surgery. She also has a burning passion and commitment to fitness as a Zumba teacher and a holistic approach to a healthy mind, body, and spirit. Now, in this episode today with Dr. P, you're going to join me and learn about glands that make up the endocrine system, what the endocrine system is, how it works, and how it connects to other systems in the body. We chat about the hormones of the endocrine system and how there are so many of them. We also talk about how important the endocrine system is for menstrual health and the whole menstrual cycle, including the thyroid and insulin and how that links in with the menstrual cycle. And of course, as always, we wrap it up with tips. So in this episode, we talk about daily ways and tips you can support your endocrine system for healthy functioning every single day. Dr. P, welcome to the Well Woman podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be a part of it. I can't wait to link all the things together that we're going to be talking about today in this episode about the endocrine system and endocrine health, because so many people don't know about this. So before we jump into it, though, tell us right off the bat, what day of your menstrual cycle are you on and how are you feeling right now in this moment? How are you checking in? <laughs> um, that's a great question. I'm actually on cycle day, I would say 15 at this time. Mm. And how do I feel? I feel pretty amazing. Um, you know, once my ovulation happens about 10 days into my cycle. So I just ovulated probably about three, four days ago. And that ovulatory pain, discomfort. It's like, uh, really don't like it. But then I go into like a nice little um, cruising of a very calm period for a few days. And I'm right in the middle of that now. So I, I, I love it. I feel great right now. You are coasting from the top of the summit downwards. <laughs> yes, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so beautiful. Because um, yes. a lot of a lot of women really struggle post ovulation. Um, yes. You know, they feel like it's a plummet rather than a co like a sailing down the the big hill. That's you know, I always think of being in a beautiful car, driving on the coastline, and you just come up to the top of the hill and you're just drifting down while you get to look yes. at the ocean. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, now you are an obstetrician and a gynecologist, and I'm going to ask you more about what it is that you do and who you are. 
but I'd love yeah. to ask you about your ovulation. You meant, um, is that okay with you? Sure. Absolutely. I, I love that you mentioned about discomfort and a little bit of uncomfortability around ovulation. A lot of women think this is completely normal. Some people think it's just common. Some people go, I don't know what this thing is, but I have this sharp stabbing thing for like 10 minutes. Um, would you be able to explore, um, expand on just what it feels like for you? Yeah. So for me, it really kind of depends. And so um, a couple of reasons. I go in between using a birth control and not using anything. And so usually when I'm not on my birth control, it's because I miss my birth control, like starting it on time. And so because of that, I it changes from month to month. And so what I've realized is that when my body is completely functioning on its own, where it's not under the influence of any kind of artificial hormones, my ovulation is a lot more intense. It is so intense. Like I will sit almost like feeling crippled in my chair. I would feel like I don't want to do anything in the world. Just leave me alone. This is just not fun. And then it lasts for about three to four days. And I feel that discomfort stronger and then it gets lighter over time. Now, um, when I'm taking my birth control on a regular base, basis, I don't really have that issue. Um, I will feel like the ovulation happened and I'm just like, okay, I just ovulated. I know it, I recognize it. I, I am so in tune with it and know what it is, but it doesn't hurt as much. It's not as discomforting as much. It's not as long as when it is when I'm not on any hormones. So while I'm now on my hormonal um, birth control, the way I like to be, life is great. My pain and discomfort with my ovulation is so much better. So it's so much more tolerable for me. Mm, thank you for sharing. And I think it's so important to highlight that ovulation, menstruation, the whole cycle experience is so different for everybody. And sure um, being really in tune with your body and doing what best serves you and your body is important. Don't do what everyone else is doing because they're not yeah. in your body. Right. And so listen to it, you know, and I tell patients the same thing as when they're laboring, you know, these are two times that I say that you want to really be in tune with yourself, listen to your body, listen to you. No one else is feeling what you are feeling. No one else can validate what you're feeling, but you. So listen to your body. And if you feel like doing nothing, do nothing. If you feel like doing everything, do everything um, because you're allowed to just be true to yourself. Mm, I love that. I'm glad we did a little side rant on that. So thank you. <laughs> um, but who is Dr. P? Tell us, who are you? Because there's going to be a lot of listeners who are you know, tuning in to hearing your voice and learning who yeah. you are for the first time. So who is Dr. P? What does she yeah. do? Yeah. What does she represent? And uh -huh. um, how did you get into this path of work? This, this is all really good questions. So hi, everyone. <laughs> Again. Hey. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I'm Dr. Perkins Gordon. I am a Jamaican by birth. I was born and raised in the island of Jamaica. So um, I grew up as a young girl there. I migrated to the United States, to New York. At that time, I started having these very interesting like questions about life and the body that got me intrigued into you know thinking and considering medicine so I would be curious about things like why is it that when we get a cut for bleeding or why is it that you have an itch but there's nothing there you can't see anything but you can feel it and when you scratch it it feels so good and it goes away and so I had all these very weird like curiosities about the body and life and 
I figured that the only way for me to get those answers would be for me to go to medical school. And so I really don't have like that special whoopla, like beautiful story of someone being injured and hurt. And, and I saw a doctor. It was none of that. It was literally. Your story is still beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it was just the curiosities. And so I, love that. I took that curiosity, um, went to college, you know, being an immigrant was really difficult for me. Um, learning a new lifestyle, new people, um, food, culture, just everything. And so it was very overwhelming. But nonetheless, I, you know, I just pursued and said, well, you know what, I really want to do this. I'm just going to do it and figure a way out. Um, so I went to Temple University, got my undergraduate degree in kinesiology. Wow. So I studied exercise and sports science. And so because, again, I love the physical body, I wanted to exercise, I wanted to learn how it moves and functions and everything about it. Um, I was also a dancer. So everything physical was very attractive to me at that time. And then I wanted to learn more about the internals. So that's like a little bit of the background. So I went to medical school after that. Um, I was a little crazy because in addition to going to medical school, I did things like getting an MBA at the same time. So I would go to medical school during the daytime and then go to business school at night. And I would just juggle the two for years like a maniac. And then to make things more interesting, after I completed both of those degrees, I joined the military. So I'm an active soldier as well. Um, and so Is there anything this woman doesn't do? <laughs> You know, a lot of people call me crazy, like, how do you do this? Um, but it, they're all very fulfilling to me. You know, I still lo love like things like Zumba. I am a Zumba instructor and it's how I release myself. I, I love life and dance and movement and music. And so it's a beautiful expression and it helps me to rejuvenate myself from the pressures of the medical side, the healthcare side, that is pretty taxing at times. And then I do my military time. And for me, that is more so a, a time for me to give and, and offer service. You know, it's, it's giving up my time to help others in a way that I considered almost like community service. So that's, that's all of me wrapped up. Um, I did, I am an obstetrician and gynecologist. So as everyone here listening, I'm sure already know, um, I take care of all things having to do with pregnancy from preconception, um, infertility, all the way through to postpartum. I, I, I am a gynecologist as well. So that means that I'm taking care of everything from, from menarche or your first cycle all the way to menopause and postmenopausal. And so I take care of everything female. And so it's my joy. It's my passion. It's what I love educating others about. It's what I live for every day. Oh, thank you so much for sharing. You are the dancer, the soldier and the doctor all wrapped in one. <laughs> who works with very unique women's things. And this is such a beautiful like combination and collection of things that you do. So thank you for sharing a little bit about yourself and your personality as well, not just what you do. Um, and today we're chatting all about the endocrine system. And I think that's really the foundation of all those things that you mentioned that you work in with obstetrician and gynecology, because the endocrine system's really not well understood and people don't connect. I think it's only just in the last, I've been in the nutrition world for like 15, 16 years. And I feel only in the last five years, people are like, oh, the digestive system is like saliva in your mouth and it's right. it comes out your ass. It's both those things. 
Um, and I think we haven't yet clicked on what the endocrine system is. And a lot of yeah. people just think endocrine is just your ovaries or your testes from, right. um, for the, ma- the born males. But what is the endocrine system? Can you give us a run through of how beautiful the endocrine system is and what it's made up of? You know what? It's absolutely a wonderful system. And it's, believe it or not, it's one of those systems that are first developed in our internal bodies in utero as a child growing up like it's one of the first i'm saying like within the first month or so of pregnancy the endocrine system is already being activated and developing in a new fetus baby growing and so it tells you that that it is extremely important now what it means in general is that there are organs within our system that releases hormones and those hormones kind of control the way that other organs work. And so they really kind of work in a loop where it's like, if you think of it as if you're doing like a, a race, you know, I'm Jamaican. So I often think of races and, and you know, <laughs> things like that. You because... guys breed fast runners over there. <laughs> fast <laughs> runners. Yes. So if you're thinking of like a relay, right. And so one person is running and you have to pass the baton on to the next and the whole entire unit needs to complete this task together. And it's the same way that our endocrine system works. And so we have organs in the brain, like the hypothalamus, we have the pituitary, we have other organs like in our bodies, like the thymus and the thyroid, we have the adrenals, we have the ovaries, we have the testes, as you mentioned before, we have all of these organs that individually release their own hormones, but they all influence each other and the way they function. And so that's the endocrine system. It's the hormones being released into the system that affects the way the rest of the body functions. I love your analogy about the relay team because a lot of people think my liver is just my liver and it just works on the liver. And you're like, actually, everything's linked to the liver in some way. Mm -hmm. And I love that the analogy of the relay team for the endocrine system, because your brain is connected, or elements of the brain, like the hypothalamus, pituitary, and pineal, are so connected to other parts of your body. Um, Do you mind walking us through really briefly, what are the glands organs of the endocrine system and where are they in the body? And what are they, what's their main thing? Like their, their first main role or their top three things that they do? Yes. So you have the neuroendocrine system, okay, which means that it's the, the brain and the, horm- the organs of the brain and the hormones that they are releasing into the system. And so um, big ones that we often talk about, like the ones that I already mentioned, like the hypothalamus um, and the pituitary. So these are like organs that are ingrained, like they're in the embedded in the middle of your brain. They're surrounded by all the other brain tissue that are there. And even though most of them, they're extremely, extremely small, okay? They're extremely powerful because the hormones that they are releasing um, that are going to influence the rest of our system, especially when it comes to females, um, is extremely important. And so the hypothalamus is one of the, the biggest ones, I would say, um, especially for everybody menstruating, okay? Because it kind of starts that relay. It's like the, the very first leg Ooh, off the blocks <laughs> yes okay it is it's literally starting it off you want your strong man going and so the hypothalamus then 
oftentimes will communicate then with the pituitary, which distance-wise, they're really kind of close to each other, um, but together, they're releasing very important hormones. So for instance, the pituitary, pituitary is going to release a lot of hormones when that controls like pregnancy and changes that happens in pregnancy and the body. So things like um, prolactin, for, for instance. Prolactin is a hormone that if you have too much of it, it can cause your cycles to be completely off, completely irregular. Um, if your prolactin is in normal levels, then you're functioning normally. If you have your prolactin has a, a mass that's grown on it, it can affect the way that you're functioning and your vision and um, just the way that your brain functions. You know, there are people who have headaches on a regular basis because their pituitary is, is is enlarged or is there's an adenoma on it that's influencing that um but oxytocin are other hormones as well that most people may be a little familiar with um that comes from the pituitary as well um now going back to the hypothalamus as well the hypothalamus releases a lot of hormones that helps the start of the thyroid and the ovaries as well okay so these hormones need to be released in order for the thyroid and the ovaries to be able to take on their next main function and release their hormones accordingly. Um, so those are a couple from the neuroendocrine. Um, others are the pineal gland, you have the thymus, you have the thyroid. Um, a lot of times people, again, are not familiar or have heard much about these organs because it's not in mainstream conversation and in general, unless you have a problem where you're, they're not functioning well, most people don't even know they exist, right? Um, in general, things like the thymus, you really, by the time you're an adult, it's really, it's functioning, but not as much as it was before. Um, so over time, that dimin diminishes. Um, thyroid, a lot of people are quite familiar with the thyroid you know, um, whether your thyroid is too, you know, producing too much or not producing enough um, people. It's such a, a common problem that we see in the communities that most people have heard of or dealt with the thyroid to some degree. Um, there are other organs like the adrenals, you know, I'm surprised sometimes how many people, people have never heard of the adrenal gland. Everyone knows the kidney. Like everybody knows kidney, kidney stones, kidney problems. Um, nobody knows of the adrenals. And I, I say to like my patients and, and people in general that the kidneys almost have like a little hat that sits on top of it, you know? And that little hat is called the adrenals. And those I adrenals, love that analogy because yeah, I use a very similar one. Mm. Yeah. And the adrenals control so much having to do with menstruation and how you feel and you know all the steroids that are being released in your body um, a lot of them are coming from the adrenals as well and they're super important um, there are the gonads the adrenal gonads that we're just about all familiar with i would say um, those are what makes us females and males these are, are the, the testes and the, the ovaries and those important things that helps to bring fertility and reproduction in, into being um i think that i mentioned all of them Just um, you, yeah much. you pretty much covered them all all of them we didn't talk about like insulin and the pancreas but that's pretty much everything yes yes um yes. but i think i love the little hat analogy i always think of 
a Lego person, you know, their little hair that you pop onto the top of the Lego head <laughs> or the little hat and you just got to like, it just clicks in there. That's what I always <laughs> use as the analogy for the adrenals. I, I, love I, I, I like that. Uh, a Lego. That's, um, that's nice. Um, but yeah, it's perfect because a lot of people don't realize that the adrenals are very, very challenged in the world that we live in today. So I love that you mentioned that. Thank you, Dr. P. Um, what are the things that you think impact the endocrine system the most? So lifestyle factors, because if you think about it, your endocrine system is in your whole body, apart from your limbs, like it's not in your arms and it's not in your legs, but it's in your whole torso and your head and your neck. So what lifestyle impacts or effects of the lifestyle have, you know, what causes havoc and imbalance on the endocrine system the most? Right. You know, when, when I think of this question, I think of which came first, the chicken or the egg, mm. you know, because if you have a dysfunction of your endocrine system, you may not feel and function normally. And so is it that you're not feeling and functioning normally and then you're doing things based on how you're feeling or is it like, which comes first, you know? Um, but definitely we can, or lifestyles can affect the way that the endocrine system works. And so everything having to do with the things that we're eating, the things that we're ingesting. In general, when we talk about, you know, doing things in moderation, it's really kind of true because if you if you overwork any of your systems, they can always break down. And that's often what happens with disease, right? When you think of disease, you're thinking of dis-ease, like it's not functioning the way it normally would and how it would want to. And so if we're intaking things that are causing more internal stress, and so that internal stress could be an excessive amount of inflammation, it could be an excessive amount of acid it could be um taken in other things that are like toxic you know whether it's smoking and alcohol or it's so many different categories of things but the things that we're processing through our gi system our gut can influence the way that the endocrine system works and how it works of course there are things that if you do have any diseases of any kind and you're taking medications they can affect your endocrine system altogether. So knowing those side effects of medications and talking with your provider is a very, very important um, quality or, or, or something that I would recommend for everyone to do before starting any new medication because you want to know how is it going to affect my brain and my, my kidneys and my liver and um, my thyroid and my ovaries and all of that. Um, but also what I would say with that is that lifestyle 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 matters are you sedentary and sedentary is is not obesity sedentary sedentary that means that regardless of your size are you active are you moving are you challenging your cardiovascular and musculoskeletal system on a regular basis to do more work than it normally does because Overall, that will impact the way that your the organs individually are functioning. I love that. It's so important because sedentary lifestyle is so common, whether you're sitting in a car, whether you're sitting on a plane all the time, whether you are sitting at a desk, um, like I'm sitting at a desk, you're sitting down right now too. 
it's like, how often do you move your body and how frequently do you move? And I love that you were like lifestyle, lifestyle, lifestyle. And I always think of the, the song when I was a kid is like, um, you know, the knee bones connected to the thigh bone, the thigh bones connected to the <laughs> hip bone. It's like everything yes. is connected. Um, so, so I always have a little chuckle to myself when someone else, when I hear someone else talking about how well everything's connected. And I think you gave such a great little, um, little insight into how the endocrine system is affected and impacted and connected with other systems in the body. It's not just a system that's on its own little island and it's looking out to the other islands. It's literally a, a big city and it's connected to the nervous system and it's connected to the digestive system. So what are the main systems in the body that are connected with the endocrine system? The main, it'll be all, all of them. All of them. <laughs> Like all of them are, are literally connected in one way or the other. Um, there's really no way to go around not having involvement of the endocrine system. And so the hormones from the organs are being released into the blood, right? They're going through the bloodstream. And as that blood is circulating throughout your body, it's literally being and passing through, connected to, influencing all the other organs so there really isn't a system that does not work with the endocrine system really i have to interrupt this episode to let you know that today is sponsored by my five day love your cycle mini course this is a self-paced course to teach you the foundations and fundamentals of your menstrual cycle in less than a week if you are a woman looking to rediscover your cycle, reconnect with your feminine in a new way, understand your cycle science and what they mean, this is the mini course for you. Receive daily educational class videos and audios, along with action steps, cycle tracking guides, cycle prompts, and the Love Your Cycle 50 page ebook and audiobook. This is your chance to discover the things that you wish you had have been taught about your cycle at school, how to eat how to move, honoring your emotions, and identifying PMS and psychoscience before they arise. It's your turn to join thousands of women from all over the world who have already taken this course to reclaiming and reconnecting with their bodies. And you can do this too for less than a fancy vegan burger in under a week. To learn more, head to wellsome.com forward slash shop. That's W-E-L-L-S-O-M-E.com forward slash shop. And use the code CYCLELOVE to save 20% off. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> um, because people are like, no, 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 it's just my thyroid. I just have to work on my thyroid health. I'm like, uh, really? <laughs> so I love um, that you mentioned also about how the hormones are all excreted from the organs and then they flow through the blood system. How many hormones does the body make like obviously there's very big differences between a born female body and a born male's body um, but for a female's body with a female endocrine system with ovaries how many hormones does a woman produce oh my goodness I don't even think I have the exact number um, for that but it's definitely a lot um, so <laughs> a lot it's... of people think well I've got estrogen and progesterone so oh, and testosterone and they just think it's the three and then I'm like and what about serotonin and what about melatonin and what about insulin yeah, yeah. there is like there's so there's so many of them you know when when patients tell me they're like you know Dr. P 
I'm hormonal and you know, they're thinking, I'm like, yes, we are hormonal. We're very hormonal, but usually they, they're thinking specifically about the changes that occur with the menstrual cycle. So they're just like, you know, I'm moody when my period is here and I feel like I, you know, I just want to smack somebody, you know, and that's just my hormones. And when I, I sit them down and I'm just like, you know, the hormonal system is, yes, you're hormonal, but it's so much more vast. It's all the hormones of the brain. And there's really a lot of them. Like if we were to really like count them, there's, there's cortisol, there's ACTHs, FSHs, LH, there's prolactin, there's, there's a TRH and TSH. There is the sex binding globulins. Like, I mean, I could continue and go on. We could write a dictionary on just the hormones. There's so many hormones. And so we, what I would love for us to get to the point of understanding that it's so much more than just what are unique to us being females or males being males. It's so much more to that. And because we're so intricately put together that it all influences each other. And so even on those days where you feel really hormonal, um, (laughs) it could be so much more than things coming from the ovaries. I love, thank you for speaking to that because I'm always like, when people say I'm a hormonal, I'm like, yeah, no shit. We're all hormonal actually. <laughs> Aren't we? we sure I woke are. up because of hormones and I help, <laughs> you know, go to sleep because of hormones. So really, so like we're on the same team here. Yes. Um, so thank you for sharing that about, you know, if you feel like you're, oh my God, I'm so hormonal today. There's so much more <laughs> to that than just being hormonal because we're all hormonal in some way. Um, That's right. Now you mentioned a little bit about the menstrual cycle and ovaries. So when we're focusing on menstrual health, how important is the endocrine system for a healthy menstrual cycle? Because a lot of people think, okay, and menstruators particularly think that, well, I'm bleeding from my yoni or or through my vulva and vagina. And so I just have to focus. Yoni. Yoni. What is that? Oh, you don't know what? Oh, oh, Dr. P. So Yoni is the Sanskrit name. So it's Ayurvedic or Indian name for like your vagina or your vulva area. Oh, I think it's just the accent. Y-O-N-I, right? Yeah. Yes. yes. Oh, okay. How do you? you... I'm like, what's a Yoni? Okay. (laughs) A Yeti, like a tent that you sleep in, a Yeti. Um, How do you pronounce Yoni? Yoni. Yoni. Okay. So yeah. yes, we're talking about the same thing then. Um, <laughs> that's so funny. Um, sorry, sorry for my Aussie down at, down under accent. Um, but when um, when women think or menstruators think about their menstrual cycle, they think of just their ovaries and they think of just that isolated area. But how important is the rest of the endocrine system for your menstrual health and your ovaries? extremely extremely important um as you know we've we've been talking about here like the when you think of this race if we keep that analogy the ovaries is probably like the third leg it's you had two important runners that started the process that you needed to have as a part of that race for you to be able to function and to work and to do what you normally do and so it's the ovaries are almost like the end point. Okay. So how important is it? Very, very, very important. Um, when we are born as females, we 
come out of the womb, we have all the eggs that we'll ever have in our lifetime and our body is in like a little dormant state for a little while as you grow up as a little girl and you know you mature and then at some point something clicks and then when that thing clicks in the body it's a signal that says that this is now time for us to enter into what we may refer to as adulthood right and so once this process is kickstarted, it's really being started by a hormonal or a hormonal endocrine system. And so the, the first part of that race is starting in the hypothalamus. Okay. This is the key. I, I you know, I say the key runner, but it's they're all key. Everyone's unique in their own way and again are important to make they all have their own key. Yes. And so you we want to kind of respect them individually. And so if the hypothalamus isn't starting out that process, then nothing else really is going to work. Okay. And so we have something that's called the HPO axis. And so those stand for a different organ and the function and the order in which they communicate together. And so once you get to the point of menarche and you're starting into your, your normal um, teenage years, the hypothalamus starts functioning, then the pituitary responds and releases hormones as well. And then the ovaries will then respond right after. And so when you're a unique, when you're a young female going through this process, it takes often sometimes for that cycle, the HPO access to mature. And so during the times of it being very immature, that means that your cycles can be irregular. Um, you can have your cycles be 28 days this month, and then it's 32 next month. You may bleed for four days today, um, this month, and then next month is for seven, or you might skip, you know, three or four cycles in between. And so that's the immaturity of the organs and the hormones that are being released and sometimes it can take like five to ten whole years before they can actually wow. normalize completely and so once that system matures it continues all the way until you get to menopause you know once your eggs that you're born with are depleted and you're you're, you're no longer able to reproduce essentially that system is going to now kind of shut down and say, hey, you know, your years are done. Now it's time for us to just, you know, cruise again um, as you go through menopause. The shop is shutting. We're shutting this, this gig down. Um, yes. That's such a beautiful overview because I feel around menarche and those first few early years of menstruation, I feel a lot of parents are confused about that. And then a lot of menstruators are confused about that too. And I love that you put it together as like the hypothalamus, the pituitary, and then the ovaries, which is so important. Um, when we're thinking about the fertile years, so let's just say we're thinking of a woman in her mid twenties, or we're thinking of a woman who is um, late twenties, early thirties, and they're looking to start a family. How important is the rest of the endocrine system for that person then? is extremely important because you know once you yes once you've achieved maturity which is it's very difficult to say when that you know would be there's not a a time dated occurrence that you can say yeah you know i reached maturity at this time on the 23rd of july in 2024 <laughs> we will celebrate 
the welcoming <laughs> of your first period. <laughs> Everyone's um, so different. Everyone is so extremely different. And, you know, there are some people who they've never skipped a cycle or never had their cycle not be 28 days, right? It's completely regulated. And some people have never had that before. So they're just like, is that a thing? Like, you're telling me that I could have a predictable cycle? And so when you get to that point of maturity, if you do, then it's a wonderful thing. And once it's time for you to, once you're ready for fertility, like once you're ready for, to reproduce, the endocrine system is extremely important at that time as well. And so there's a lot for it to be discussed and considered at that time. I think that, you know, a lot of pregnancies are oops, pregnancies, right? And for those that are not oops and, and are being planned out, is preconception counseling is extremely, extremely important because you want to speak with your provider and get an overview of what your endocrine system is like. And you don't necessarily have to say, hey, doc, what's my endocrine system like? But what you want to do is engage in conversations that will look at you as a whole person. And it says, okay, um, let's review your menstrual history. Let's see what your cycles are doing on their own. Let's evaluate for other systematic problems that you may have. You know, let's check to make sure that your thyroid levels are appropriate. Um, let's check to make sure that you're not having other symptoms that you might have not realized is a problem. For instance, I have patients who will come to me and they're, you know, in my interview with them they're like you know I've been leaking milk from my breast for like five years but I thought it was kind of normal and I've never had a child before and I've never been pregnant and I'm like that's not normal so it, you'll be surprised how many times as females we don't necessarily address changes in the body and we accept them as normal when they really could be a mm. reflection of a dysfunction that's happening internally. So I encourage everyone, if, if something is different, if something doesn't seem normal, if you have a major change, you wanna speak to your provider so we can evaluate and do our part to see what is going on that could be causing your system to function that way. So yeah, so talk to your doctors if you're planning for pregnancy, um, evaluate to see if all your endocrine systems are functioning well and in sync with each other before planning pregnancy. Oh, thank you. They're great points. Really good points. Um, let's chat about, there's a few things in the endocrine system that can impact the menstrual cycle, like the thyroid. And I know myself over the last you know nine years in this space, I've seen a lot of people experiencing really overactive and underactive thyroids, you know, before pregnancy, after pregnancy, postnatal, you know, when trying to conceive, how does the thyroid sit in with all of this? Yeah. So the thyroid is almost like the organ that controls metabolism is probably what most people are, I would say familiar with, but the thyroid actually controls a lot more than that. And so if your thyroid organ um, which is located in your neck area. If that organ is underproducing, then what happens is that you may have what is called hyperthyroidism, you know, and it's, it's almost like it's, it, it's not 
um, intuitive the way that the thyroid works, but essentially you can have high thyroid or low thyroid. And so some of the sim symptoms that you may have if your thyroid would be low would be um, that you, it could be weight gain, difficulty losing weight. It could be feeling very cold at times, like more uncomfortably cold. Um, it could be um, you're, you feel fatigued. You feel as though your body isn't you, you never feel rested enough or have enough energy um, at all. And then on the other hand, if you have high thyroid or hyperthyroidism, it could be the complete opposite where you lose weight pretty fast and it's very hard for you to get your weight up. It could be that you feel very hot and you know sweaty and um, feel like your heart is racing all the time. And so either angle is not healthy for the reproductive system because your thyroid can directly affect whether or not your ovaries are going to ovulate. So if you're thinking about pregnancy and your thyroid levels are not in the appropriate zone that they should be in, you may try forever and not be able to achieve pregnancy because ovulation can be inhibited if your thyroid levels are not up to par. I would imagine a lot of women would be like, girl, I want a fast thyroid. Like, where do I get me one of those that just burns through all of that weight? <laughs> it, it sounds good, but it doesn't feel good. No, um, not at all. Yeah, these, you, they, you can go through something called thyroid storm. And with that, you can even suffer from things like mental issues. Um, you're having problems with your heart and now you have an additional problem that needs to be fixed. Um, and it's just so much more in depth and it can be dangerous. You know, you can die from having your thyroid be uh, too high. And so it sounds good, but it's, it's not a fun disease to have at all. No, not at all. And no one wants to have a dis-ease at all, really. That's the goal, right? Um, now let's talk about insulin um, and insulin challenges, because I know that that often can be linked to cycle imbalances such as PCOS, which is I, something that I've had in the past myself. Um, but let's talk about insulin in the endocrine system, because a lot of people don't know that insulin comes from the endocrine system. They think it's a, a, a digestive system thing. So can you explain a little bit about insulin and insulin challenges that are often are seen with um, relation to the endocrine system and the menstrual cycle, please? Yeah, um, so insulin is um, it's one of those hormones that I, I I use analogies all the time. Okay, so Love it. I, I I think of it as you're living in a community. You have all these homes. Each home is like a person, and they need to receive a package that's delivered with their food every single day, and so for them to function. And so while you have your your macronutrients so you have the carbs and the fats and you have the protein you you want all of those to be delivered to you and packaged every single day for you to be able to function and so for you to be able to grab the carbs when they come in your special delivery for you to actually get them and use them you need insulin and so insulin is a hormone that is produced by the pancreas again a part of the endocrine system and so it is the, the key to unlock in your, your abilities to use all the sugars and the glucose and the carbohydrates that you're intaking. And so what happens is that if there's a dysfunction with the insulin or with the receptors for the insulin, meaning that you can produce a lot of insulin, 
But if there is the other part of that that needs to react to it isn't working, then you have insulin that's just not functioning. And so in general, for people who are diabetics, they might not produce enough insulin. However, in our reproductive world where we have people who suffer from like PCOS, they may have something where they have hyperinsulin, meaning that they have more insulin around than they need or that they're actually using. And so what that does is that when you have a lot of insulin and your receptors are not working well, your body is thinking that I'm not using my glucose. I'm not using things accordingly. I must need more insulin. So your body is ramping up and it's going into like a fast roller coaster of producing insulin and your body is not using it. So it's like, I'm making it, but can't use it because the receptors are not working well. On the long run, what can happen in this scenario is that it can cause your ovaries to now not ovulate and function and produces hormones normally. And so it's a situation where it's not diabetes per se, but it's a dysfunction having to do with insulin and hormonally it affects how your, your organs work. I just think the poor little pancreas. It's just like, I'm making all the cakes and ain't no one eating all the cakes. Nobody's eating them. <laughs> and because they can't, because there's no way for them to actually function. And, you know, overall, what can be very, very um, upsetting for females is that they have insulin resistance. And so with this insulin resistance, the common complaint is that I can't lose the weight. Like, I'm not even eating crazy. I'm not eating a lot of calories. Even when I restrict my cal caloric intake to 1,200 calories per day, I'm still gaining weight. And it doesn't matter how often I exercise, I can't lose the weight. And insulinemia can be a part of that. Hyperinsulin levels. It could be PCOS. It could be those small hormonal dis um, dysfunctions that is causing your body to be in a very imbalanced state. And with that imbalance, you're almost like fighting against yourself all day. Mm, like running up a brick wall that you just can't run. You're not Spider-Man you or right. Spider-Woman. Um, right. And on insulin, is insulin a fat storage hormone? It's not a fat storage hormone. But what I would say is that it influences all the other hormones that participate in fat storage. The relay of fat storage. Right. Exactly. And Fantastic. so what happens to is that there's like direct effects and indirect effects that are occurring with this. And so there's the direct effect where if it's your insulin is not function in the way that it should that it causes weight gain and it could be the opposite where it is functioning and you can still have a problem with weight gain on the long run you know there's so many different scopes to um these kind of endocrine problems that people can fall in different categories that are just slightly different but the end result is that we're having difficulty when it comes to insulin insulin resistance weight gain ovulatory function if, thank you, Dr. P. If you're listening to this and you have learned nothing, the one lesson you need to learn is that your endocrine system connects to almost everything. Everything. And um, a lot of how you feel, how you live your life 
is related to your endocrine system. Would you agree? Absolutely. Mm, really, really juicy. Now we are almost out of time. Um, I'd love to ask you two more questions if that's okay. Sure. What are so for everyone who's listening to this being like, holy shitballs, I need to look after my endocrine system. Like, what do I do? Help with the white flag. Help me. Um, what are like, say, three to five, five to seven top ways to support your endocrine system on a daily basis? The first thing that I would say is get sleep. Okay. It's probably one of the most important things that, especially us as Americans, I think that we, we, don't value sleep as much, but I would say sleep is number one. You want to rest. You want to make sure that your your hormones and the function of the hormones are at its par. And we it, there's a reason why our bodies need to get this time to rest every day. Okay, so eight hours, eight nine hours, seven six hours if you have to, but try to get at least more than that. It's very important for you to reset your system so that your organs get a break and be able to produce their own hormones like they should. Um, I would definitely say keep a healthy diet, um, make sure that you're very balanced, um, that you're not having an excessive amount of sugars. Sugars are really at the point where it, it can almost put a blanket on your system so that all the organs are not functioning because there's just an excessive amount being produced. So you want to keep that in a good, normal, moderate amount. Um, you want to make sure that you are not intaking a lot of bad fats. Okay, so you want to keep a lot of healthy, good fats in your diet, um, and you want to also make sure that your proteins are appropriate as well. So you have a healthy, nice, lean meats. Um, so that covers the dietary function. Um, Lifestyle-wise, we want to exercise. Okay, in general, we say here that you are. It's recommended that you exercise for about 115 minutes per week, and that is in any combination. If if dancing is your thing, then dance. If go to Zumba. Is, right, go to Zumba. If you love running, then run. You know, if you're power walking and that's what you can do, you do that. Um, lifting weights are uh, is a very, very important um, skill that will really help your system on the long run very well. And so it's you don't have to be like a bodybuilder, but having that resistance against your muscles and your muscles pulling against your bone and the hormones that are being produced in the process of you um, lifting weights on the long run in 10, 15, 20 years when you're menopausal, um, later on in life, it actually helps to maintain your internal system, including the endocrine system. Um, definitely say if you are, your nutrients are not up to par, then having uh, and checking what your the minerals and the nutrients are in your system is also really important because things like your vitamin D, things like vitamin E, um, vitamins A, D, E, K, these are, are all important to help your overall internal system function well. And so if you are not producing enough, if you don't have enough zinc, if you don't have enough magnesium, if you don't have enough potassium, you are directly um, influencing your system and you want to not make your body struggle more than it needs to. So you want to check with your providers to see where your levels are. And if you need to supplement, then you supplement accordingly with that. The more your diet is balanced with your vegetables and your fruits, you can indirectly get a lot of those. But if your diet is not appropriate, then you might be deficient and might need to kind of get some supplements with that. Definitely water. 
water, 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 water. Super important. And it's one of those things that I would say that I would really put it higher on the list than I mentioned it. Um, but water is very important. You want that to be your main source of liquids that you're taking in on a regular basis. Beautiful points. And I think by water, you also mean like coffee is not water and tea <laughs> is also not water and ne- neither is Pepsi or Coke. Um, so people are like, but I do drink lots of liquids. Well, the H2O liquid is what Dr. P is talking about. Um, yes. So these are beautiful points and thank you so much for sharing them. I hope you've been taking notes if you're listening to this because they're so simple to do and they really help you not just with your endocrine health, but everything in your body, um, which I think is really, really important because all your systems work together in a relay. Um, Dr. P, thank you so much for being here and joining us. I do have one final question, um, but before we go there, how can everyone who's listening to this find you? Like what's the best platform to find you on and how can they connect to learn more about this wisdom that's coming from you? Absolutely. So uh, call me Dr. Dr. P. Um, is my Instagram, my TikTok, and my upcoming website. And so if you literally type in, call me Dr. D-O-C-T-O-R-P, you'll be able to reach me. Oh, beautiful. Well, I'm going to pop all those links in your show notes. Make sure you go over and check out Dr. P on social media because she's got some great content. Um, Final podcast question. Are you ready? We're switching gears a little bit. This is a question I ask all of our guests. Um, Dr. P, I'd like for you to think back to the time when your first period arrived um, as the younger version of yourself. And what are three things that you wish you knew then about your body and your cycle that you now know today? And you'll be like, shit, Gemma, there's probably like 5,000 things I I could think of right now. But what are the top three that you wish you knew as that younger version of yourself? Wow. All right. Top three things as my younger self. I would say the first thing is that it's not that scary. I think that leading up to uh, puberty, there was so much anxiety, like, oh my gosh, you've heard stories, you've heard all of this. And, and while it could be a rocky road for many people, um, just knowing that at that time that it's okay that you are going to be fine and it's, it's not necessarily as traumatic. I would have said to myself, like, calm down. It's okay. Like, this is a part of life. Um, the second thing that I would say is that learning is important. Um, the way that we create and have confidence is in knowing. And so the more that you learn and read, and understand it's so much more easier to understand your body so tell myself to read more about it not be not be fearful and not be scared and not to talk to as many people but to read and learn um from factual standpoint so that it's not as scary lastly i would say that it's a beautiful world it's it's a beautiful process to undergo life changes and getting that first period is a life change. And what I know now with seeing so many people who after, once they get into menopause, they're just like, oh my gosh, bring my period back. You know, when, when I deal with patients, um, dealing with these things, it, it helps me to appreciate the changes of life um, a lot more. So I would say appreciate and enjoy the beautiful changes that are occurring. 
Enjoy the journey. Don't just rush to get to the destination. Right. Oh, so beautiful. Thank you for sharing these three things. Total, total ballpark question that you didn't expect coming. Um, you did well. I love them. Thank you. Um, and thank you for all of your wisdom that you've shared today, Dr. P. Um, I know I've learned lots of beautiful things about the endocrine system on top of what I already knew. And I'm sure everyone who's listening to this is like, oh my God, this is so, I need to know my endocrine system more. Like I need to get to know this thing better to support my cycle. So Thank you so much for being here and sharing all of your beautiful insights and wisdom. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for tuning into every episode of the Well Woman podcast. For everything we mentioned in today's episode, you can find this in the show notes over at wellsome.com forward slash podcast. If this episode excited you, please hit follow on Spotify, which means all of my episodes will pop up in your feed weekly so you never miss a weekly drop. I'd love you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts too. Love this episode? Come and follow me over on Instagram at Wellsom underscore Gemily. Say hi and share what you've taken away from this episode with me. Now, is there a bestie, sister, or a friend who you know who might be fed up, frustrated, and confused with their cycles? Are they ready to join you in awakening their cyclical essence too? Well, take a screenshot of this podcast episode, share it on your socials, email it, text it, or any way you need to get it to them. So together, we can all live in flow, harmony, and balance with our cycles. Now, until next time, beautiful, get connected, listen to your body, and remember, body confidence all begins with living in tune with your menstrual cycle.